If you listened only to the internet, you'd think that anyone not investing in the latest firearms tech is immediately going to die in the streets when Scenario X happens. Anything seen as obsolete is just discounted and thought of as this quaint vestige of history. I'd like to make the case otherwise, though. Old and obsolete weapons are, in fact, still effective weapons, many of them proven through incredibly harsh conditions, and they have a lot of other benefits that current-day firearms enthusiasts like you and me might not have considered. So with that, welcome to The Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it's all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm Matt, and I'll be your host today. I'm glad you could join me. Our website is everydaymarksman.co. There you'll find today's show notes, as well as all of our other episodes, our YouTube channel, articles, and as always, our awesome community of marksmen. Now, I suppose I should start with some terms and defining what I mean. So for my purposes, when I talk about obsolete firearms, I'm talking about a specific range, things that had a heyday of defensive use or wartime purposes in the past, typically about 100 years ago or up to 100 years ago, but then fell out of favor as new or modern designs came into the market. I am not talking about muzzle loaders and black powder here, but things like revolvers, lever actions, bolt actions, and even shotguns. Yes, I know that last one's controversial. We'll come back to it. So on the theme of not worrying too much about optimization, we have to realize that even an old rifle is still a rifle. And when it comes to defensive purposes, a bad guy getting hit with a 30 caliber bullet doesn't really care if it came out of an M1, an AR-10, or a 30-30. He's still hit, and he's going to deal with it. You could say that the classic 30-30 Winchester has arguably killed more deer in modern history than any other rifle cartridge. It's not any less effective on bad guys. Similarly, there's a lot to be said for the wallop of a 12-gauge slug or a load of double-op buck fired at reasonable distances, inside 25 yards especially. And you're not going to find me advocating that these older weapons are something you should buy over more modern designs, but it's not because I think they're ineffective. That said, I think it's the other capabilities that modern designs bring to the table, like better siding systems, attachments, more capacity, and a whole ecosystem of spare parts. That, that's the difference to me. Now, with that said, I think there's four reasons to keep the old warbirds around and maybe consider buying one if you don't haven't already. So let's get with number one, and that is 50 state legal. The first time I heard this point was when I was interviewing Justin of Revolver Guy one of my first interviews, and he pointed out that the classic revolver and 357 Magnum doesn't violate any laws of any state in the country regarding capacity or, you know, turning the wrong heads. You know, you could take one with you on a road trip, train anywhere, and just really not have to worry that much about legal entanglements. A few oddball states like Maryland and New Jersey along the way because of all their just pains in the butts. And that says nothing about the considerable difference in power between the stalwart 9mm and a 357. <laughs> and when it comes to rifles, you and I know that politically loaded terms like assault weapon get tossed around willy-nilly without any real cohesive definition. For people who live in the states affected by those laws, which, hey, you never know the way the courts are going, that may not be a thing in the future— but it's still a concern right now. I've been there. I've lived under it more than once. The kinds of uninformed people who write these laws ultimately just want everything banned. But at least in the meantime, they pay lip service to the 
vision of a classic American hunter carrying their rifles of a bygone era. The fact that the lever action carried by such classic hunters was a frontline combat weapon in the Civil War just goes over their heads. Not to mention the, the deep wartime origins of modern bolt-action rifles, like anything based on a Mauser. And then there's a shotgun. Almost nobody ever seems to have legal problems with shotguns, capacity aside, and they're pretty much still capable of taking down just about anything in North America. So when these people talk about, oh, well, shotguns are fun, that's a hunter's gun, yeah, just just don't remind them that the German government tried to protest America's use of pump-action 12-gauge shotguns during World War I for, quote, unnecessary suffering. All that to say that obsolete guns typically get a pass in the eyes of political opportunists, which makes them valuable for staying a little bit more incognito. Let's talk about point number two, which is ammunition supply. One of the downsides to shooting modern rifles chambered in current military cartridges is that ammunition supply tends to be boom and bust. Now, by that, I mean we see periods where there's plenty of ammo to go around cheaply, so it's easy to stockpile with a service like Ammo Square, this episode's sponsor. Or we'll see periods of panic where it feels just about impossible to find any popular cartridge like 223, 308, or even 22 long rifle. So this isn't going to be true for every old gun, but it's worth pointing out. A lot of old warhorse rifles shoot a variety of cartridges, proven as both capable defensive and hunting rounds. Take your take your pick from 30 out 6, 6.5 by 55, Swede, 30, 30, 12 gauge, and a whole lot of others. Now my observation, now this varied by part of the country, but was that when ammo panic buying starts, the first thing to go are the cartridges that everyone shoots. The stuff that lasted the longest was for the obsolete guns that panic buyers typically don't own. Now, I'm not saying that you can still get these rounds cheaply, but at least they were available when others weren't. Of course, your better option is still to stockpile ammo slowly over time so that you're not caught up in a panic run anyway. Now, speaking of that, let's talk about this episode's sponsor, Ammo Squared. Ammo Squared is a service not quite unlike a robo-investor for your retirement account. You, you set it up, you give them a deposit every month, and they distribute that amongst ammo that you want to buy, and they'll buy this much of that caliber, this much of that caliber. Now, the really interesting thing is that as you build up this stockpile, which they are happy to store for you, it almost becomes like an ammunition bank account where you are free to have it shipped to yourself so you can shoot it, you can sell it back. You know, maybe the price went up so you can make a little profit on it. You can trade it to others who have ammo you want or even just give it away. I'm always open to do an ammunition donation. So Ammo Squared is a really cool service I've been using for over a year. Highly recommend it. I have a whole write-up on it is at everydaymarksman.co forward slash ammo. Or if you went to ammosquared.com forward slash marksman, you can get $20 off your first crate. So check it out. Now let's go back to point number three about why obsolete guns are still relevant or at least still interesting. And that is getting familiar with a different manual of arms. You know, one of the downsides of going all in on a single modern platform like the AR-15 or other semi-auto handguns is that you never really learn other tactics and techniques derived from other platforms. I think one of the biggest reasons that shotguns fell out of favor for home defense was that they were just more complicated to use, particularly around reloading. 
it was not that they were any less effective. In fact, I, I would argue that shotguns are more effective at close range fighting. The trouble is that they took a whole lot more time to practice and run really well between higher recoil, longer, slow to reload, awkward reloading, you know, and that can be true of other weapons as well. Take revolvers or bolt action rifles. You can run both of these very effectively provided you're willing to put in time and practice to do it. It's a whole legion of PRS shooters and cowboy shooters who, sh- who can show you how well these things can be done. Sadly, most people just aren't willing to do it. Now, I bring this up for two reasons. First, there's a lot of practical benefit to learning the manual of arms for some of these weapons. You know, a lot of these old war horses pack a lot of power. And that makes them useful tools for both hunting and backwoods defense against large predators, especially bears. Learning to run a lever gun or revolver might seem awkward at first, but it's hard to deny the oomph that comes with a 4570 or a 44 Magnum. Now, secondly, you never know what will actually be available to you in hard times. Getting familiar with a wide variety of weapon types so you can run them effectively puts you ahead of that learning curve should you get to that point someday. Now, the last point, point number four here, I want to remind everybody that fun is allowed. A lot of obsolete weapons are still just plain fun to shoot and tinker with. I see no problem whatsoever with picking up an old gun, caring for it, feeding it, and shooting it just because you like it. I'll admit that even I was tempted to go down the whole tactical lever action rabbit hole that seemed to sprung up last year, though seemingly this year it seems like shotguns is a new thing. There is something to be said for owning a gun just because you like it. And as long as you're putting in a good amount of time and practice into your primary weapon or weapons, then the occasional detour with a retro gun seems like a great idea from time to time, at least to me. I always enjoy kind of going on these little side rants. What about you? Do you own any of these old war horses? Do you own you know, an old Enfield or a Mauser or a Springfield 03 or M1 Garand and you kind of keep it as a side side thing in your safety. Like, oh, that's really cool. But do you practice with it? I think there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, there's still a lot to be said for the art, the art and the craftsmanship that went into these old wood stocks. They look really cool. And, you know, who knows? Maybe someday you'll find it really useful. I will throw one shout out here because I have seen this argument in the past and frankly, I don't buy into it. So detour on the episode. And this is just for the listeners, by the way. This this little rant's not going to be in the show notes. So thanks for sticking with me. A while ago, I came across a concept that uh, I'm not going to actually name it because I don't want to like badmouth the website that it came from, but it's been a point of discussion amongst the community for a while. And the idea was for in a a SHTF scenario X that they were advocating for an old wood bolt action rifle as your go-to chambered in something like 762 by 39, both because it's effective, you know, defensive caliber, but also hunting for medium game. But one of the things that they said, which is what I disagree with and why I didn't put it in my list today is that, well, you should carry around this old rifle because people will be less afraid of it. Look, the reality of it is the average normie who is not an enthusiast in the gun community, they don't necessarily know the difference between an M1 Garand, an M14, or, or even an, an AR-15 when it comes down to it. They see someone carrying a rifle in public, they're going to be worried about it, and they're going to make a stink about it. So 
I don't buy the idea that old, just because you're carrying an old rifle is going to make you blend in better in public if you're carrying a rifle. I don't buy that one. Sorry. But I do think it makes a difference as far as legality doing so. But if you're actually in a situation where legality goes out the window, let's say there is no more law enforcement, yeah, it's not going to make a difference. In that case, you're carrying something that it's what you got. <laughs> and Or maybe there's other reasons. I do think that a lot of these older bolt-action rifles shoot some really interesting power for caliber. Power for, I can't speak. I'm not even going to edit this one out. Congratulations. A lot of them shoot some real interesting calibers that have a lot of purpose that most people don't shoot anymore today. So take that for what you will. All right, that's it. Come by the website, everydaymarksman.co. Make sure you subscribe and also check out this episode's sponsor at mosquared.com forward slash marksman. Until then, I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening.